How is everybody? Excellent. Good to see you. Um, I am really glad to be here. Happy New Year. I was gone last week. You maybe know that I was sick for a bit, and uh, it's good to be back. I was watching church online last week. I don't know why anybody would want to do that every week. Um, I am much happier being here. No offense, those of you watching. Uh, um, I'm much happier being here with you uh, in person, um, and uh, I, I realize uh, after our first, I'm gonna we're gonna work this morning for a little bit. That's kind of kind of rude in in uh, the early July Sunday morning, but we're gonna work a little this morning. So I, I hope you're ready. I want to uh, give you a little bit of a roadmap of what we're gonna be doing uh, this next month here at Lighthouse Church. So in the season before Christmas. We were going through the book of Genesis, and we're returning now to the book of Genesis. Um, But this next month, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a few of the stories um, about Jacob and Esau. And um, instead of kind of just walking through those stories really carefully, I I picked up in reading them again, um, you know, prior to the new year, that that there are some kind of overarching themes that kind of stood out that I thought maybe we could talk about as a Lighthouse family um, and see if we can, you know, kind of take those themes and apply them to our own daily lives and uh, maybe garner some insight from Jacob and Esau. Um, And so let me just kind of tell you really quick who Jacob and Esau is. There's going to be a slide up on the screen. If you were with us before December, um, we had met Abraham and Sarah. Um, the father and the mother of the Jewish nation, Israel. And uh, they had had a son by the name of Isaac. And Isaac uh, married Rebekah. You can read about them in chapter 25. There's not a lot about Isaac. Um, although one of the things we learn about Isaac is he deals with some of the same issues that Abraham dealt with. You ever notice that happening? Um, and now um, we're going to begin looking at Jacob and Esau. Isaac and Rebekah have Jacob and Esau. They're twins. And, um, and we're going to see in Jacob and Esau that they, um, kind of like Isaac and kind of like Abraham, have their own uh, issues to deal with. I want you to remember before we get into any of the stories that, that um, the Bible, especially the Old Testament, we have this idea that it's a book about righteous and faithful people, but it's not. The book of Genesis, the book of the the Old Testament and the the entire Bible is a a story about people like you and me and a faithful and a righteous God. And so here's what we're going to talk about from overarching themes. This should be kind of fun. Today, we're going to talk about this idea that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You ever notice that? Some of the issues kind of just seem to repeat themselves. Um, Intergenerational struggles and mistakes. Um, Next week we're going to talk about running away to start over. Does a new place solve my problems? Anybody here ever wondered that or tried that? Oh yeah, a few of us. All right. Um, And then uh, in a couple of weeks we're going to look at this idea that comes from Genesis about wrestling with God. And oftentimes when we wrestle with God, um, it's like something big is going to happen in our life. 
And then uh, we're going to wrap up, you know, Jacob and Esau on January 29th when we talk about reconciliation and reunification, um, specifically making amends. And so, um, yeah, there's going to be a lot this next month. I, I'm really looking forward to that. So um, Jacob and Esau were twins. Esau was born first, which would mean in, you know, in that history that he would have been the heir to what Isaac and Rebecca would be, you know, kind of passing on. And uh, the stories say that he kind of disregarded that, that um, place in life. He sells it to Jacob in one story in chapter 25. Um, and then um, we're going to read a little story um, in just a moment here um, about Jacob and Esau. We're going to see um, that Jacob himself is a little bit sneaky. And um, he's got the favor of his mother. You ever see parents who kind of favored one child over another? How's that work out usually? Not always so good. And so we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit today just about this idea that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I want to read with you um, one of the stories of Jacob and Esau. So grab a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 27. There should be a Bible around you. It is a story that's a little bit longer, so um, you might want to get a Bible and follow along. 27, um, page 23 in the Church Bibles, 39 in the Recovery Bibles. I am going to begin reading at verse 1, and here we go. One day... When Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and he said, My son, yes, father, Esau replied. I'm an old man now, Isaac said. I don't know how, uh, know when I may die. Take your bow and quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. But Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when Esau went left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, Listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, Bring me some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal. Then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go to the flocks. Bring me the two fine young goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. But look, Jacob replied to Rebekah, my brother Esau is a hairy man and my skin is smooth. What if my father touches me? He'll see that I'm trying to trick him and then he'll curse me instead of blessing me. But his mother replied, Then let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you. Go, go out and get the goats for me. So Jacob went out and got the young goats for his mother. Rebekah took them, prepared a delicious meal just the way Isaac liked it. Then she took Esau's favorite clothes, which were in the house, and gave them to her younger son Jacob. She covered his arms and the smooth part of his neck with the skin of the young goats. Then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including freshly baked bread. So Jacob took the food to his father. My father, he said, yes, my son. Who are you, Esau or Jacob? Jacob replied, it's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you've told me. Here is the wild game. Now sit up, eat it so that you can give me your blessing. Isaac asked, how did you find it so quickly, my son? 
The Lord your God put it into my mouth. He gives the Sunday school answer, right? The Lord God put it into my path, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come closer so I can touch you and make sure that you are really Esau. So Jacob went closer to his father and Isaac touched him. And the voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's, Isaac said. But he did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hands felt hairy just like Esau's. So Isaac prepared to bless Jacob, but are you really my son Esau? He asked. Yes, I am, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said, now my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat and then I will give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father. Isaac ate it. He also drank the wine Jacob served him. And then Isaac said to Jacob, come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him, and when Jacob caught the smell of his clothes, he had finally, was finally convinced, and he blessed his son. He said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. From the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvest of grain and bountiful new wine. May many servants become your servants, and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed, and all who bless you will be blessed. So I'm uh, going to stop there. I'm going to let you read the rest of the story on your own. Um, So um, in case you're wondering... Um, Isaac finds out that, or Esau finds out that he missed the blessing, and um, it doesn't end well. And so uh, we're going to kind of pick up in that in future weeks um, as well. So we're going to talk, as you probably already know, a little bit about childhood and some of the issues that sometimes we face. And um, I'm going to share a few heavy things today, just kind of giving you a heads up. And so I decided to... um, share a couple lighter things in starting out. Uh, So I did find some uh, childhood trauma jokes, believe it or not. And uh, uh, the first one um, I think is kind of cute, although nobody at the first service thought so. Most children love the beach, but I had a traumatic experience there as a child. Even after I grew up, the very thought of going to the beach would make me cry in terror. But the beach is really a romantic place to hang out, so my girlfriend brought me to the psychiatrist to diagnose me and treat me. You have a very serious condition, the psychiatrist said. You have shell shock. (laughs) (laughs) You're much better than the first service. You're my favorite service. (laughs) The man who wrote the hokey pokey just died. The most traumatic part for his family was getting him in the coffin. They put his left leg in, and then the trouble started. (laughs) Oh, that's so cute. All right, here's our question. Bill and Tim are going to run the mics. Um, If you'd like to answer the question, uh, get their attention, stand up, speak directly in the mic, give us a brief answer. What is one thing from your upbringing that has impacted you throughout your life? Um, So obviously there might be some positive things some of you'd like to share. Um, But I also want to acknowledge there could be some heavier things uh, that haven't been so positive. We would um, welcome some of those as well. Um, Just want everybody to remember you're online as well. So it'll be saved for eternity, I guess. Uh, um, So, here we go. A couple of people, go ahead. Hello, I'm Nelson Rao. 
Irish wrestler, Trenton Wilson, and her members remain back across the password at age 63. I can remember her in her God's prayers. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Discipline. All right. I'm Kevin. Um, Sparty for about uh, two weeks now. And I'm grateful for this place. And I hope in ESU Wednesday. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. My father always taught us to stand by our word. Do exactly what you say. Thank you. I know. I was taught that hard work will never kill me, but it's tried. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Tom. Anything worth having is worth fighting for and never give up. Thank you. If having to choose, always choose the greatest good. Thank you, Bob. Hi, I'm Misty. Um, So my third grade teacher made me write on every single paper that I had. Um, Do not believe everything you see or hear. Check things out. And that has stuck with me forever. Huh. Thank you, Misty. Hmm. I'm Jason, uh, and I would say I have to say compassion. Compassion. Thank you, Jason. Hmm. I grew up where we were always stubbornly independent and so asking for help was never something that was really done and now I've had to learn to do that. Thank you. Tether. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Thank you. Never had so many one word answers. That's awesome. Hi everybody. I'm Kent. Uh, if, if you knew who I was when I was young, even up to my into, into 50, I was a <clears throat> not a very good good child, I, I guess. I did a lot of crazy things. And my dad always said, you know, church would do you some good. And I never took heart to that, but it is so true. Uh, thank you, Kent. Anybody else? Got time for another one or two here? I'm Galen. Uh, I kind of grew up poor, but my parents tried to not look poor, so I've learned how to be frugal and get by with a lot of, get by with without a lot of stuff. Hmm. Thank you, Galen. All right. Anybody else? Going once, going twice. Anybody else? Heart sold. Yeah. Thank you. So I find it really interesting, and I had kind of the same experience the first service, um, is that there was a lot of positive stuff. I think that means that our our church is such a healthy group of people. Um, because I know that um, there are a lot of good things that we kind of take out of our upbringings, uh, but there are also some not-so-good things. And we're going to talk a little bit about both today. Um, I've reached an age 
where it's easier to watch my kids and see how the apple doesn't fall far from the tree than it is to look at my own parents who are now with the Lord. And um, I uh, want to share with you that that uh, for those who don't know, I have a daughter who's in church today over here with uh, her daughter and husband. Um, and then I have a son <clears throat> who lives in Minneapolis. And um, we were able to spend some time together over the holidays. Um, I, I want to tell you that um, probably one of my favorite Christmas presents uh, wasn't from any of my immediate family. It was from my son's new girlfriend. And um, so if you don't know, uh, if you're new, um, I happen to be a big Michigan Wolverine fan. It's kind of a big thing in my life, kind of a little fanatic about it. And, um, and you know, because I take seriously this idea that um, you should train up a child in the way that they should go so that they will not depart from it when they get older, um, I taught my kids to be Michigan Wolverine fans. My daughter is so-so, but my son is pretty, pretty into it. And my, my uh, son's girlfriend um, gave me this picture frame that had these two pictures in it. One of them is me, one of them's my son Andrew, and um, they are taken um, watching in our homes, hundreds of miles apart, um, different football games, different Michigan games um, this fall where they won, obviously. Um, and so um, I thought that was just a marvelous picture, and it made me realize, yeah, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. All right, you can take that picture down. Um, I see a lot um, in my kids um, that really kind of rings true to this idea about um, generations that follow us. Uh, I see love for the Lord in my kids, uh, love of kids. Um, I see athletic abilities, interests that they have, hobbies. Both of my kids love to read. Um, love of food, um, especially pizza kind of, kind of runs through my family. Um, I see in my kids um, that they have gotten from their mother uh, musical abilities and a, a, some teaching abilities. Both of my kids are teachers, very proud of that. Um, and um, I can tell you I think they get that from their mom, especially in regards to kids. Um, I see in my kids um, some leadership um, possibilities and growth and skills that I, I know that perhaps I was exploring when I was younger. It's kind of amazing how that works if you're a parent. Um, I also have some typical health things that someone my age has. And often when my son hears about it, he always says, oh, great. And it's not because he's concerned about his dad. It's because he knows he's probably going to have to deal with the same things when he gets older. Um, of course, there are other characteristics of apples, the apples that my kids are, that aren't for me to talk about, they are for them to talk about. But it did make me um, ponder when I was reading Jacob and Esau and their story and how some of the stories in the Old Testament, you know, the behaviors kind of just repeat themselves generationally. Um, I started to wonder, why is it that we take on these characteristics, good and bad, from our parents or from those who raise us? My guess is you know the answers uh, to some of this, at least. Um, but it's worth pointing out. Some of it is environmental. 
Um, we learn from our environment when we are growing up. Studies of how the brain is wired or developed through our childhood is absolutely remarkable. I've been reading a book lately by a neuroscientist. I am not a science person, but it's just fascinating how the brain is wired at our young ages. We are sponges. Our brain takes in information and it stores it. Neurological connections that will guide us throughout our life are made in early childhood. And this God-given human brain is developed. You are amazing. You are remarkable in that way. Turn and tell somebody you are remarkable. At our earliest of ages, we learn how to think and to feel. We learn... What we're going to believe is to be right and wrong. We learn how to make decisions and deal with pressures and stress. We learn how to survive. We learn how to stay safe. We learn how to respond and we learn how to react. It's in childhood, very young ages, when love and healthy touch and nurture are so very important. We learn what it means to be cared for and interconnected or not at very early ages. If this is not developed, it can impact us our whole life. For some of you, I know that that is true. For some of you, it's hard to comprehend a God, much less people or a family of faith who are there for you and who would love you unconditionally because you didn't experience that when your brain was being wired. You're wired, you're not wired that way. But here's the thing I want you to know if if you identify with that. Your brain is amazing and it can be rewired and God excels at that. Of course, we also know that the sins of the parents also fall on the next generation. Many of you have experienced neglect or abuse or trauma. And it has not only deeply wounded you, but it impacts your daily life. And for some, it impacts your ability to function in society. And if that is you, I am so sorry. We want, here at Lighthouse Church, we want to be a place that to the best of our ability, understands those issues and is sensitive to that reality. I also know that we have many people in this church who have experienced spiritual trauma of one sort or another. And that makes our job and even our relationship um, a little bit more difficult. But if you are one of those people, I want to say how how incredible it is that you mustered up the courage to be here today. Good job. Um, And uh, I am sorry for what you've been through um, spiritually, whether that was involving a church or a pastor or what, but um, I can't take that away, uh, but I can walk with you through it. Finally, many have grown up in environments where these things have been generational. Often it can be compounded by intergenerational poverty, 
and it's cyclical. For those of you who are of Native American heritage, for many, the intergenerational trauma and issues run deep, very deep. And you already know that. Our problem as human beings is that we get stuck in this generational stuff that just kind of seems to be passed from one to the next. I have a, a friend who um, some years ago taught me the saying in recovery, um, my crap stinks but it's warm. Um, you've heard that before. Um, what it means is that my situation, it kind of stinks, but I've kind of grown comfortable in it. Don't know much different. That's what often happens to us, generational. It kind of becomes all we know. And here's the funny thing. We haven't even talked yet about genetics and how those impact us. Um, you know, we are predisposed to some things. We're predisposed to health issues that our, our parents or our, our, you know, previous generations had. That's why the doctor asks you about your family history every time that you go. If you have an addiction, the likelihood that there are family members who have also struggled with the addiction is very high. Because we have learned that um, genetic predisposition often exists with chemical addictions or other addictions that predispose us um, and make us at higher risk. If you struggle with some mental health issues, my guess is if you take an honest look at your parents or other uh, family members in previous generations, you will see that they too suffered some of the similar or same mental health issues. Man, oh man. And there's even more. So um, I, I was introduced to this, this uh, concept um, quite a number of years ago now. And when I, when I was, it just really opened up my eyes. It's called the, the Laws of Yonte. And um, the Law of Yonte is what one might call a code of conduct. And um, it first appeared in fiction um, written by a Danish-Norwegian author, Axel Sandemos. And he talks about these Danish communities where this, this law of Yonte, this unwritten code, this unspoken law of how we're supposed to conduct ourselves existed. And in this culture... <coughs> In this culture, the goal was that um, nobody is supposed to stand out or be noticed above anybody else. And so, literally was meant to be kind of a ceiling that kept everybody at the same level. And when I first heard about this, I thought, man, that is the, the Germanic, Scandinavian culture that so many of us grew up in, in this part of the world. So what are these laws of Yonte? Um, I have them on the screen. Number one, you're not to think that you are anything special. Number two, you're not to think that you are as good as the rest of us or we are. Number three, you're not to think you are smarter than anybody else or than we are. You're not to imagine yourself better than we are. You're not to, you're not to think that you know more than we do or other people. You're not to think that you are more important than we are. Not to think you are as good or are good at anything. You're not to laugh at us. You're not to think anyone cares about you. 
And you're not to think you can teach us anything. My guess is, you know, there are some of you who hear that and you think, man, um, nobody ever talked about those things, but that's really the culture I grew up in. That was my experience. And, uh, you know, it was meant that nobody would stand out. But what it does is it becomes this kind of oppressive culture that creates all of these insecurities that many of us in this room have grown up with and struggled with the rest of our lives. Well, this is all kind of depressing, isn't it? <laughs> um, you know, am I doomed? Um, so sometimes it can be helpful to learn, you know, why we are the way that we are. Um, the truth is, is that for many of you, the most important thing that I want you to hear today um, and I want you to hear me say is that even in beginning to find any healing or, or dealing with some of this, you know, childhood stuff, it starts with acceptance. And uh, if you have not even kind of tackled that hurdle, it may be time for you to start <coughs> dealing with some of, some of this stuff. And the, the first step is to talk to somebody about it might be um, a sponsor if you have a sponsor in a recovery program or um, a, 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 um, an accountability partner, somebody on your support team, a counselor. Um, I do want you to know this can all be hard work, but it can bring some healing in your life. But I wanted to share with you today, because it is kind of a depressing thing, and you know, we see in Scripture how these, these issues kind of just keep repeating themselves. Um, I thought it might be helpful to at least share three things that um, you can take with you and contemplate today. And um, I just want to say I'm not trying to oversimplify these issues, but I think that I can give us some starting places or at least help us identify where am I in kind of this mix of learning and growth from the idea of, you know, what do I deal with that still came from the past and my upbringing. So here's the first thing that I wanted to share with you today. Um, there comes a day when we need to accept responsibility stop blaming our parents or stop blaming others before us and begin to work on forgiveness. Now, um, I know that that's not an easy thing to do with some of these issues, especially the complex ones, but it's true that literally there comes a day when you and I need to kind of accept responsibility for who we are and where we're at. This is our lot in life, right? You know, um, and stop blaming those before us for our issues and the decisions that we're making today. And begin to work on forgiving and moving forward. Galatians chapter 6 verses 4 and 5 says, Pay careful attention to your own work, uh, for then you'll get the satisfaction of a job well done. You won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. <clears throat> in some ways, what, what we learn in regards to dealing with our past is that, is that in order to move forward, we have to deal with the past, but there does come a time when we kind of need to grow up. Turn and tell somebody it's time to grow up. <laughs> well, you did that well. Okay. Um, so you know if, if this is kind of where you're at, right? 
you know if this is where you're at. In, the, in order to heal and grow, do you need to accept ownership of your stuff? Accept responsibility. Accept the consequences. This is, this is my past. This is, you know, this is what has shaped me. This is who I am. Um, and I, in order to move forward, I, I need to take some responsibility now to move forward. You know if you're in that category. Second thing I wanted to say, especially if you've kind of, you know, made that decision, um, is that we need to, through prayer and consultation, uh, identify some of the needed changes in our life. Um, so you know if some of these issues are really kind of um, controlling your behaviors, the way you respond, are you using the past as an excuse um, for some of your behaviors? And, and when I, I say that through prayer and consultation, we need to identify changes, we're not always able to even see them on our own. And so um, if, uh, if you don't start with prayer, you're kind of missing the opportunity that God gives you to kind of work with him on this a spiritual basis. If you don't have a support team, this is the need to, to develop people in your life, trusted people that you can go to and talk to about some of these things. So I'm curious, um, I'm curious about this. I'm wondering if you have somebody in your life that you can come to and say, um, Amy, could you point out a couple of character defects in me that you see? I'm not telling you to do that right now. <laughs> I don't trust you, Amy, with that. <laughs> do you have somebody in your life like that? Um, pretty important. Um, especially if you're dealing with lots from the past. You know, um, am I blaming the past? And, and how is that coming out? What do you see in me that, that perhaps, you know, needs some work? And uh, for those of you who are in a 12-step program, um, you know, if you keep working the steps, you've already kind of got this kind of laid out before you. Um, it's one, I mean, it's such a profound um, order of the steps that, that comes for us. And, you know, this isn't step one and two. This is step six and seven. What's step six? We were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. So we're kind of identifying character defects and becoming ready. Not, not to make the changes as much as to allow God to make the changes. You with me? And then what's step seven? We humbly ask God to remove all the shortcomings. You know, God, start working on these. Doesn't mean that I'm not responsible myself. But God, if this is going to really happen, it's going to take you working in my life to bring this about. So you, chances are you know if that's kind of the stage you're at, especially in regards to the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Are there, you know, are there things that you, you know, that it's time to start working on them. You, you know that they're there, and it's time for you to start working on them and to allow God to begin working on them. If that's true, then I think, you know, number three is one of the things that I would, in, I would challenge everybody if you're kind of in a place of readiness, and that is, um, let's decide today that we're going to start breaking the cycle. Um, let's begin to break the cycles of those things that continue to give, have a grip on us. You know, what changes do I need to make? God's going to remove some of these defects, but what, that doesn't mean that there aren't adjustments that I need to make. Can you imagine if um, next week we came, we came back together and we all were able to say, 
Uh, guess what? The apple is further away from the tree this week. That would be cool. <laughs> or if you're a parent, you know, what if you were able to say one day, you know what, in some of the negative things, my apple is far away from the tree. We were able to break some of those cycles. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6 says, Direct your child onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Tough work. Tough work. So I mentioned earlier that your brain is capable of rewiring. Um, you are so amazing, by the way. Um, today, today, I am told there are new neurological connections being formed in your brain. That's weird. In fact, um, when I started learning that, I started to realize that's why every time we get together, I want to make sure everybody in this room hears me say, did you know that God loves you? That he loves you unconditionally? That he is with you? That there is nothing in this life that will ever separate you from his love? You know why, why we do that? Because it's reconnecting. It's building new, new neurological connections and it's rewiring our brains to understand the goodness of God and the power of that in our lives. What I also want you to know, though, that as you kind of think about, you know, your past, some of the issues that you kind of carry forth, I want you to know that when you meet Jesus Christ, that you are no longer the things of the past. They're still there. They still have some impact on you. But you can boldly say that I no longer am just the genetics of my past. I am no longer just the environment of my past. I am no longer just the decisions of my past. I am no longer the mistakes or the struggles of my past because Jesus Christ is forming in me a new creation. He's not just rewiring my brain, he's wiring my entire being and he's rewiring my heart. I am no longer the, the sum of my mistakes, but I am a new creation. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says it this way. You're not like that anymore. You are a chosen people, royal priests, holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Rewiring. So um, I shared with you the, the laws of Yonte, and I told you the, just the impact that they had on my life when I first learned them. Um, I have desire to kind of break those in our culture as best I can. Um, and, um, you know, there are, there are different forms. I've kind of reworked them a little bit myself, but there are different forms of kind of a, you know, counter to the laws of Yante, um, kind of the laws of, of the spirit or the laws of, of, um, you know, life in Christ Jesus. And I wanted to share them with you as well. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read the law of Yante and you're going to respond with the um, law of the spirit. So you, you can come on up. So, um, in fact, I'm going to have you stand and we're going to do this. Because <clears throat> we're going to do it with meaning and heart. And we're going to say them like, like they are 
um, a new wiring going on in our brains. So, number one, you're not to think you are anything special. I am awesome because I am created in his image. You are not to think you are as good as we are. You're not to think you are smarter than we are. You're not to imagine yourself better than we are. You're not to think you know more than we do. You're not to think you are more important than we are. You're not to think you are good at anything. You're not to laugh at us. You're not to think anyone cares about you. You're not to think you can teach us anything. Amen.